You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Thank you so very much for uh, tuning in to the How to Win uh, podcast. We appreciate your presence today. Thank God we always win in Christ. And I decided to do something a little bit different. Uh uh, I wanted to talk today about revival and why revival uh, tarries. You know, I had several questions that I didn't have enough questions to complete an episode. So, you know, I felt like I wanted to conclude this today. I've been, I began a new series called Muted Voice on Sundays. It's going to be just absolutely amazing. If you have any questions about that, you can send those questions in. And I'll try to take a time, take some time to answer some of those questions about the new series. And But today I want to conclude what we've been talking about on the podcast with the subject, Why Revival Terrorists. Uh, why uh, are we not having a revival in America? Why is there not a move of God in America? Now, we know that people are getting saved in America. We know that God is raising up some great churches, some large churches. But overall, I think you and I will, re- I think you will agree with me. Overall, there's something on the inside of us that says that there's more to it than what we're experiencing. There's more to it in the church. There's more uh, to experiencing God's power. It's more to God manifesting himself. And, you know, I, I think it is my opinion, and I believe it is, it is a sanctified opinion, that uh, it has something to do with race and it has something to do with racism in the church. So allow me to define revival. Let's let's refine let's define revival. I have three definitions of what I think revival is. Revival is a special move of God above the normal. <clears throat> it is a special move of God above the normal. Uh, Revival is God moving in sudden, easy, marvelous ways on both an individual and a corporate level. Uh, Revival, thirdly, is a move of God that impacts society as a whole in a positive way. So let's go back and look at our definitions for a moment. I believe that revival is a special move of God above the normal. When revival takes place, it's more to it than just going to church. It's just more to it than going to a service and and giving an invitation and spending time worshiping God. But revival is a move of God that's above the normal. Now, we thank God for the normal things that's taking place, but revival is always above the normal. And I want you to think about that definition. Revival is God moving in sudden, easy, marvelous ways on an individual and a corporate level. When revival takes place, much of the time it is it is sudden. Much of the time it is uh, 
easy. It, it, it happens. It's, it's, uh, we don't have to so much work it up. You know what I mean? We don't have to work it up. You know, we don't have to make it happen. It is easy. It is marvelous. When revival takes place, people know that God is doing something. It, it, it's out beyond man. When when revival hits, people say, you know, that's that that's that's God. Revival is a move of God that impacts society as a whole in a positive way. Revival impacts society. When revival takes place, it, it, it moves outside of just the local church. You know, we had a great time at church. It was wonderful. People came to the altar at church. Well, that's great. And we're not speaking negative about that. But when revival takes place, real revival, genuine revival, it spills out into the society. It spills out. It, it, it doesn't stay in one. Uh, it doesn't split in one place. Um, it, it spills out. It touches the community. It touches uh, uh, the state. It touches the nation. It touches the world. Revival. For example, let me give you an example. Following the murder of George Floyd, there was a, there has been a mass protest that have really flooded and 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 spread it throughout all fifty states in America. And it's turned into a global movement. I mean, people all over the world are protesting. You know, that's that's unusual. It's, it's an unusual awareness of injustice and a desire for racial equity. And it's happening in some segments of government. It's happening in business. It's happening in entertainment. It's happening in the sports world, military, education. Think about what's happening in the world. Think about the, the Washington Redskins has decided to change their name. All these different institutions, businesses are changing commercials and advertisement and, and huge sums of money are being donated toward racial equality. Notice all that's happening out in society, out in society. I don't know, you may differ with me, but this is not normal. This is not normal now, but why is revival tearing in the church? I mean, you know, the church for the most part is where it is. I mean, it's basically where it is. You know what I mean? You got black folk going to black churches, white folk going to white churches. You know, it, it's, it's really just where it is. So. I wanted to take some time today and share some of my thoughts about it. Now, I trust this may be a blessing for you. When I look at God's will, when I look at what, what God's plan for the church and God's plan, it, it calls me to go back to something Jesus prayed in, in John 17. I want you to listen to, to John 17. I want to read it from the authorized traditional King James Version. Verse 15, Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross. His last 
expanded prayer that we have uh, before he left the earth. Here's what he said in verse 15, praying to the Father. He says, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. He's praying to the Father. Verse 16, he says, they, referring to his people, the church, are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me, verse 18, he says, into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So Jesus is saying in this prayer that he want his body to be set apart by truth and that he's sending his body into the earth. We have been sent into the earth. We are the salt, the church. We're the salt of the earth. We're to preserve corruption. We're the light of the world. We're to give guidance. And then he says in verse 19, and for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So Jesus said, I've been set apart so that I may set them apart. Jesus was set apart, sanctified, set apart to do a special work, okay? He says that I've set the church apart to do a special work. Then he says in verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their words. So he says, Father, I'm not just praying for my uh, followers here, but I'm praying for all those who will come into the kingdom through their word. In other words, he says, I'm not praying just for my disciples and my followers today, but I'm praying for my church, my church. He was praying for us. He was praying for the body of Christ. Now listen to what he says in verse 21. He says that they all may be one as the father are in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Now he says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now listen at that. Verse 22, he says, the glory which thou gavest me hath given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Then verse 23, he says, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, when we look at God's will for the body of Christ, we see that God's will is unity. God's will is oneness for the church. Not division, not segregation. We see that it's God's will that we be one. He said not only one, but he said perfect in one. And then there are two things that he said that connected this oneness. He connected this oneness to two things. He says, I pray that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, that the world may know that I love them. Think about that. Jesus connects oneness with our witness. He connects oneness with our witness. He says that when the world sees us, one, united, then they will 
have a recognition of God. They will recognize God. Okay. And he says, I've given them thy glory. Now he connects his glory and his glory is his manifested presence. He, he says, I've given them thy glory, but his glory is wrapped up in our oneness. God's manifested presence is wrapped up in oneness. So when I read the text, I realize that God has this huge vision of his church being united, and he connects the believers, the church's witness, and the manifestation of God's glory to our the church being one. Acts 2.1 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and the power of God was released. So I believe that revival is connected to unity. Revival is connected to oneness. So why is revival tarrying in the church? Now listen at this. Satan has a strategy. We see God's will. We see God speaking of oneness. We see the glory, the manifested presence of God connected to that. We see our witness connected to oneness. So Satan has a strategy. Matthew 12, 25 says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So Satan's strategy is division. Satan's strategy, please say that, please say that. Satan's strategy is division. Come on, say it one more time. Satan's strategy is division. Now, I read this. And, and I think it's a power statement, and it's, I agree with it 100%. The devil has used prejudice, bigotry, and racism as powerful spiritual weapons to divide people. I'll say that again. The devil has used prejudice, bigotry, and racism as powerful spiritual weapons to divide people, to divide the church. Satan understands that a united church, a church that's one, not a church that's split, not a church that has denominations running all over the place. Now, I'm not speaking evil of a denomination, but there's division. You know there's division. Whenever there's division, the Bible says that there's weakness, there's instability, division in a home, division in a city, division in a nation, division in a church produces weakness. Satan understands that. So racism is really a spirit of division. It is designed to divide the races, divide the races within the races, divide the, divide the races against the races. And I believe, now I want you to listen to me carefully on this. I believe that racism is the greatest threat 
to revival in America. I believe that racism is the greatest threat. I believe that it is the greatest impediment. I believe that it is the greatest roadblock. I believe that revival in America is tarrying because of racism in the church. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm convinced we can pray all we want to. We can confess the move of God is going to be this and this is going to happen. And think about it. All our fasting and all our praying. Now, I'm going to talk about prayer now, so I'm not throwing that away. But think about all the things, all the sermons we've preached and, and all the rattles we've had and all the things we've done and all the things we've confessed. And yet we still don't have revival in the church. There's no revival in the church. And if you look down on the inside of you, you got to know that there's more to church than what we're experiencing. I believe in America, racism in the church is impeding, stopping revival. Now, I, 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 you know, I know, I know. I know what people say, but I'm, I, I believe it based on what God said to me, okay? You know, God said to me, he said years ago, and that's when I started teaching on, on racism in the church, years ago, God said, it needs to be dealt with. Now, now listen to what that. Yeah, I hear people say, well, you know, I think, you know, I hear people talking all the time. Well, you know, I think there's too much talk about that racism. I, 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 you know, I'm tired of talking about that racism. You know what I mean? And you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? There are white people who think we don't even need to be talking about no racism. And guess what? They're black people. I was listening to, I was listening to a, a, a prominent black uh star, if you want to call him that, celebrity, if you want to call him that. And they and, and they were talking about his feelings about racism, you know. And he, he said, well, we just need, this is a black, this is a black person. We just need to stop talking about it. Just, we just... It, it, we just need to stop talking about it. You know, just, just, just talk. In other words, if we stop talking about it, it'll go away. And there's so many people on both sides of the aisle who actually think that we don't need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. There are people praying, I'll be glad when all this is over. I'm so tired of hearing about this. And the devil is sitting back. You know, when, I, when people say things like, you know, I feel like, and I feel like, and I think, well, you know what? I want to ask people, okay, what did God say to you? You know, what I want to ask people, you know what I would have liked to have asked a celebrity, okay, okay, you think this and you feel this because you got white people and black people, they don't want to hear nothing about it. They're, they're, they're through with it. Okay, that's enough. Let's go on. Let's do something else. I'm tired of this. It ain't that big of a deal. My question to a Christian would be not what you think, Think not what you feel. What has God said to you about racism? Have you prayed about it? Have you asked him what he thought? Have you asked him what you feel, what he felt? Or have you just, 
I think, I feel. I am telling you, God spoke to me. I didn't make it up. He spoke to me about racism. And he said to me, it needs to be dealt with. Okay. Now, if God, who is over everything, thinks that it needs to be dealt with, and we need God to give us revival, how can we ignore what God thinks and have revival? Explain that to me. If we don't talk about this, if we don't deal with this, if we don't teach about this, we don't preach about this, and we just go on about our business, how are we going to get revival? <clears throat> how are we going to get revival if God thinks it needs to be dealt with? All I'm asking you, whether you be a white Christian or black Christian or whoever, I'm asking you to pray about it. Don't, don't just feel what I feel and what I think. I, you know, when I was a little kid, we used to say something, you know, when, when we dare somebody, we would draw a line in the dirt and say, I double dog dare you to cross that line. I dare you to cross that line. Listen, I'm double dog daring you. I dare you to pray about it. I dare, and it doesn't have to be anything deep. I double dog dare you to go to God and pray. Spend some time and say, now, God, what do you think about this racism in the church? Is it a big deal to you? It, what do you think about it? I dare you, I dare you to go to God and ask him because we got the same Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that it has to be dealt with. And I think that there's some conditions. I want to talk a little bit about some conditions. I want to talk about what I think will be the evidence of, of it. And then I'm going to give you some references, some books that I've read, some things that I think you can read. And then I'll try to answer um, a, a few of these questions at the end. In order to have revival in this area, revival in the church, an outpouring of, of revival in the church, we're going to have to have some serious prayer. Now, I know people think, well, you know, we got to do more than prayer. OK, I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about society. I know we got to do more. I know we got to have ch ch policies change, practices change, and I'm dealing with some of that in, in my series on mute divorce. But I'm talking about how do we bring revival to the church? Well, we're going to have to have some serious prayer, serious prayer. In other words, in Acts chapter 10, when, when there was an, 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 a revival, when God... Uh, caused Peter to cross a racial line and brought a move of the Spirit there. Cornelius was praying. The Bible clearly says it. And Peter was praying. There was some prayer that was critical to, critical to that. If you are an intercessor at Faith Chapel, my church, then I need you, God needs you to begin to center in and focus some of your praying in this season around the issue of race and racism. If you are a Christian, I think you need to set aside some time. I'll set aside some time in my prayer time where all I'm praying about is race and racism in the church. I spend 
a bucket of time in my prayer season, my prayer time where I'm praying about that. It's going to have to have some prayer. Now, what should we be praying about? What should we be praying about? Number one, we should pray that the word of God have free course, that the word of God have free course, the word of God have free course. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one, second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one, Paul prayed, asked the Thessalonians, he said, I want you to pray that the word of God have free course, that it be free to move. Now, the reason why prayer is so important in this area is because Satan is working very hard and he'll use everything. We, we had some technical, different, had di technical difficulties Sunday. I have an amazing team of people, skilled, talented, gifted people. Okay. It's not a lack of skill and talent and gift. In the same way that I was running into some interference, just putting the lesson together, just putting it together. There was some spiritual interference. I believe that we had some spiritual interference Sunday. I don't believe it was just us not doing something. I think we've got to understand that there's some spiritual warfare that's going on in this, and we've got to be praying that the word of God have free course, that it be free to go out, it be free to be shared. The Bible also said in Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18, we should pray that the, that the people have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. That's how I pray. I pray, God, that you give your church, your people, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. The reason many people cannot see it, black and white, cannot see this racism thing is because there's a spiritual blind, blind spot in us. There's a spiritual blind spot. It is crystal clear if you're spending time in prayer, crystal clear. So we take Ephesians chapter one, verse 17 and 18 and pray it out. Thirdly, pray that God will open up the hearts of people, that God will open up their hearts. That's Acts 16, 14. The Bible says that the Lord opened up the heart of Lydia. He opened up their heart and she attended to what Paul was saying. We need to pray that God open up people's hearts according to Acts 16, verse 14. Then we should pray that God open up a door of utterance for us. See, according to Colossians 4.3, a lot of times we kind of rush in and we, we say, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. And uh, let's talk about this. And, and so sometimes even in our witnessing, we're trying to force a conversation we're trying to force a conversation, and, and it doesn't work. Paul said in Colossians 4, 3, he said, 
pray for me that I have a door of utterance, that a door be open for utterance. Now, here's what we've got to do. We've got to start praying, saints and pastors and ministers, all of us, we've got to start praying that God open up a door of utterance. When God opened up the door, it's easy to talk to people. They want to talk. They want to ask questions. We, it's not just barging in there and saying, we're going to talk about, that, that's not going to work. We've got to pray. Paul prayed, and he asked the church at Colossae, he said, y'all pray for me that God will open up a door of utterance. So I'm praying for all of you Christians, all of you that are listening to me now, that God will open up a door of utterance for you to be able to communicate. You should be praying, God, open up a door of utterance. You should pray for pastor, pray for pastor, pray for your pastor. Open up a door of utterance. See, much of this in terms of revival is connected to prayer, but it's, it's specific, it's definite prayer. And then finally, we have to have some spiritual warfare when it comes to this area. Matthew 16, verse 18 through 19, Matthew 16, verse 18 through 19, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, that, that, now notice that's not Satan coming against the church and the church is in a defensive posture. No, that's the church moving out in an offensive posture. And the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail. We're going to pull down those gates. But then he said to Peter, I give you into the church. I give you the keys of the kingdom. And he says, whatever you bind will be bound and whatever you loose will be loose. So in my prayer time, as I began to pray about this area, I began to take authority over Satan and his demon hosts. I say, right now in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I bind you principalities. I bind you powers. I bind you rulers of the darkness of this world. I bind you spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Every spirit of division, every spirit of racism, by the blood of Jesus, I bind you. I break your power. I break your hole in the name of Jesus. I command you to take your hands off of the eyes of people move your hands, move blinders in the name of Jesus. See, I'm, I'm taking authority by the blood of Jesus because there are demons forces. It's not just us. It's not us against them. It's not black people against white people and white people against black people and Hispanic people against this one. No, 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 no. It's some spiritual. We're not fighting with flesh and blood. It is a spiritual warfare that we're in and it is so deep that they're going to have to be some strong intercession. I need you intercessors to really be praying to take authority over these foul spirits that are trying to keep the word. The Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe. What intercession and spiritual warfare will do is take the blinders off. It won't force people to receive it, but it takes the blinders off. And when the blinders are removed, people can see this thing clearly. So it is going to take some spiritual warfare, 
serious, serious, serious prayer. I probably prayed more about this than, than anything I, I prayed about in, in recent years. It is, is serious. Every person, every minister, every Christian, all our tech people, everybody who's involved in getting the word out should be praying. It's not just skill. It's not just talent. It's not just technology. Every person that's involved in getting the word out. And listen, all of our tech people, all of you are critical to us getting the word out. And you have to spend time in prayer. You have to approach this differently than any other subject because they are spiritual powers that are really striving to keep the word from getting out. Here's the second thing, prayer. Now, communicating the word, we got to get the word out. Romans chapter 10 says, whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how shall they call without a preacher. They got We got to have a preacher. Now, it's not talking about just a pastor or minister. Now, every Christian, I'm calling every Christian, you got to start preaching. I say, you got to start preaching. You got to get the word out. Share my podcast. When I do muted voice, I want you to, I want you to post it. I want you, I want you to push share. I want you to hit your target audience. Every person from your frame of reference, every person, if you have a frame of reference at work and you got some coworkers want to talk, talk about it. At school, let's talk about it. Every person, your frame of reference, my frame of reference, I have the podcast, I have the TV broadcast, and then the other platforms we're using to get this word out. You have to use your platform. The Bible says beautiful of the feet of the people who preach the gospel. And then the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I began a new series called Muted Voice. I began Sunday lesson one. Help me get it out. I got six more lessons. I want you to Share it. I want you to communicate it. I want you to post it. I want you to do whatever you can from your platform to get the word out. It's going to take prayer and it's going to take the word. It's going to take prayer and it's going to take the word. It's going to take prayer and it's going to take the word. It's going to take prayer and it's going to take the word. It's going to take prayer. Then thirdly, we must listen to the spirit. We must listen to the Holy Spirit because he's going to begin to give us directions he gave Peter directions in Act 10, gave Kenes directions in Act 10. We have to, we will never, someone said this, we will never achieve racial unity as, we, as long as we allow racial and cultural, cultural differences to get in the way. We'll never achieve racial unity as long as we allow racial and cultural differences to get in the way. Well, listen, most Christians are motivated. Most Christians are motivated. Most Christians are, uh, they choose out of preference. They choose out of culture. They choose out of comfort and convenience. We've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to listen to the Holy Spirit because he's going to be giving you directions. He's going to be giving you guidance. 
He's going to quicken certain things. He's going to bring things to your mind. And when he says something or shows you something or give you insight on something, sometimes he'll give you a green light. You have peace. Sometimes he'll give you a check. You have an uneasiness. Listen to the check. We got to listen to the Holy Spirit and we got to obey him. We got to obey the Holy Spirit. We got to listen to him and we got to obey him. We got to listen and we got to obey. We got to listen and we got to obey. We got to listen and we got to obey. Now, listen to me. There's going to be some movement. There's going to be some movement. There's going to be some movement of blacks moving cross and whites moving cross. Racial lines is going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. There's going to be some movement. And Christians, white Christians have to be open and receptive. Black Christians have to be open and receptive. I had a question that I'm going to answer about that. But we've got to be open and receptive. If we guard our territory and we say, well, what are they doing over here? You know, what, what do they want from us? You know, they need to stay with their own kind. If we do that, we can hinder the move of God in our life. Now, listen to me carefully. We'll hinder the move of God in our life. We won't hinder the move of God because it's going to be dealt with. If God has to put you out of the way, if God has to move you out of the way, if God has to move our generation out of the way and you just young people, God is going to do this. I'm telling you because God wants revival in our country. He wants a move of the spirit. So if he has to move us out of the way, he's going to move us out of the way. If we are open and receptive to and, and see what God is doing then we can participate. We'll be a part of it. But if we stand up and guard our positions and say we won't have any of that over here, whether it's black or white, listen, you are going to be moved out of the way. Trust me, it is going to happen. God is not mocked and God will not allow us to hinder his move. It is a season. It is a different season now. It is a different time now. And it's time we got to move with the spirit of God. We got to say yes to the spirit of God. We got to obey the spirit of God. And if you let your little opinion get in the way, I'm telling you, God is going to push you out of sight. I didn't say God's going to kill you. But he's going to push you out of sight. You're not going to have a voice. He's going to push you out of sight. I think that there are going to be churches and leaders who have great voices that's going to do this. And I think God's going to diminish their voice, their voice. And I think God's going to raise up voices. God's going to raise up people that you don't even know. He's going to raise up voices because God wants revival uh, in America. Now, what will be the evidence what will be the evidence of revival? Now, this is going to shock you. You're going to be shocked when I say this. What's going to be the evidence of revival? How will we know when we get there? One of the major evidences will be whites crossing over into black spaces. Yeah, I said that. Whites will cross over into black spaces. Whites are going to cross over into black spaces. I know what you're thinking. That'll never gonna happen. That's never gonna happen. Well, you know, it was a, a guy who said that in, in the Bible, and he got he got ran over by a crowd of folk. 
Listen, whites are going to cross over into black spaces. That's going to happen. Now, listen at this. We have, we, ha we have evidence of it in the world right now. Think about it. Blacks haven't, didn't just start protesting when George Floyd was killed. Blacks were protesting with Trevon Martin. All these different people were killed. Blacks were protesting. So what is different? Is there something different about the mass protest taking place today? Is there something different? I think that there's something decidedly different, acutely different in this. You have a large percentage of whites who are protesting. It's not just black folk on the streets. It's young people, young whites, it's old whites, it's parents with kids with signs saying Black Lives Matter. Listen, if you look at the protest, look at the protest, it's not just black people. It's a large number of white people who are protesting. I'm convinced in the church there is going to be white Christians who will cross over into black churches and black spaces. Now, here's, here's where I get that from. Here's that where I get that from. I think it's going to take more than just black people reaching out and say, hey, talk, let's talk about this, and black people preaching about it. Let's, I think it's going to take more than that. I think it, we have a role, but remember in John chapter 4, Jesus crossed over into Samaria. The woman at the well didn't go to Jesus. Jesus went to the woman at on the well. And, and the interesting thing about that is most Jews wouldn't have went through Samaria. In fact, most Jews would have took six days and went around Samaria. Three days you could go through Samaria in three days, took six days to go around it, and most Jews, because they didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans, they went around. They went six they went six days out of three extra days out of the way, and Jesus went right through, right to through Samaria. And the scripture says he must needs go to Samaria. So Jesus crossed over. When I look at Philip. God told Philip to go and Acts chapter 8, join yourself to the chariot. Notice that the Ethiopian then go to Philip and say, hey, let's, let's, let's get this thing straight. No, God spoke to Philip in Acts chapter 8, and he moved over. Peter had to move over into a Gentile space in Acts chapter 10. When you look at the Azusa Street Revival years ago, the Azusa Street Revival was a multiracial, multicultural uh, revival in a little barn in California. God exploded. And blacks and whites and Hispanics and all kind of people went to that revival. They began to, and the interesting thing about that revival, it was a, a little black man who had one eye who led that revival. Think about that. So I believe what you're going to see in terms of the evidence of revival is you're going to see white Christians cross over into black spaces. Now,
I want to give you some of the books that I've been reading. I think they'll be a blessing for you. I want to give you some of the books uh, that I've been reading. Now, when I give you books, remember, I'm not saying everything in the book is great and I love everything, but these were books that I thought were a blessing to me. And I'm just sharing them with you. One of the books is What Color Is Your God? What Color Is Your God? Is by Columbus Sally, S-A-L-L-E-Y, and Ronald Beam, B-E-H-M. What color is your God? Columbus Sally and Ronald Beam. Another book that I read that I thought was a good book was The Color of Compromise. The Color of Compromise, Jamar Tisby. G-M-A-R-T-I-F-B-Y, The Color of Compromise. Another book that I thought was a great book was White Fragility. Now, it's a book that blessed me, and I'm an African-American, but I think every white Christian should read this book because it is a book written by a white person from a white perspective about racism. It's called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, R-O-B-I-N-D-I-A-N-G-E-L-O, Robin D'Angelo, White Fragility. Another book that I've read was How to Be an Anti-Racist, How to Be an Anti-Racist, Imbram, I-B-R-A-M, X. Kendi, K-E-N-D-I, Imbram, X. Kendi, Another book that I have is a book called Brainwashed. Brainwashed. It's by Tom Burrell, B-U-R-R-E-L-L. Brainwashed, Tom Burrell. And then My Father in the Faith has three volumes uh, on race, religion, and racism. Dr. Frederick K.C. Price, Race, Religion, Racism, Dr. Frederick K.C. Price. And the, the, the last book that I, I share with you that I thought was a good study book, it was What the Bible Really Say About Slavery. What the Bible Really Say About Slavery, Elrita Dodds, E-L, R-E-T-A, Elrita Dodds, D-O-D-D-S. These are some of the books that I've read, uh, and I want to kind of conclude by, I have a few questions here that came in while I was teaching, and then I want to look at a a few of these questions that uh, you sent in. One comment that you sent in while I was teaching is that our strength lies in our unity, and that's exactly the truth. Our strength lies in our unity. I wasn't saying that denominationalism is a sin. I wasn't saying any about that. I'm talking about the division of it. The, the dividing, separating of it. Uh, another comment, God is not pleased with division outside the church as well as within the walls of the church. I absolutely agree with you. God is not pleased with the division. In fact, he said that the world will know him by our love. The world will know that 
God sent Jesus by our unity, our oneness. Maybe that's why the world is not listening to us right now. Another comment, God is telling us as believers what to do. Problem is we're not listening. And I think you're absolutely correct. God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us. And I think in some cases we're not listening. And I gave you a warning and I hope you heard that. You can only refuse to not listen so long because ultimately God is doing something very special in this season. And if we don't start listening, God will go a different route. Right now, he's working through the world to get our attention. He's going to eventually work through the church. I'm praying that it be you. I'm praying that it be me. I've asked God to let me be a part of it. I want to be a part of what God is doing question, what do you do when you experience spiritual interference? You press through. You, you, you press through. Uh, I mentioned this recently. I was preparing one of the lessons on muted voice. And I had so normally I can sit down and I can pray my, my thoughts flow. I, this, I can I can flow, put down my thoughts. It, it, it flows. And I sat down at my desk and I was there an hour or more and, and just hadn't got past my outline. I knew I was being challenged. You see, Satan operates through natural circumstances. You have to recognize when you've been challenged. So I got up from my desk, walked away and began to pray. And I took authority over that. I said, I bind that spirit that will try to hinder me, every spirit that will try to hinder me. Every spirit, I take authority over you, and I declare that the word will have free course. And I began to pray for about 30 minutes, just praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. And then I got a release. I went back to my desk, and my thoughts began to flow. So that's what I do. I pray in the spirit. I take authority. I bind Satan in the name of Jesus. Uh, is the word revival in the Bible? I don't know that the word revival is in the, in the Bible, but the principle of revival is the Bible talks about him pouring out his spirit. The Bible talks about the times of refreshing in Acts chapter 3. Those words speak to revival. Uh, I asked the Holy Spirit... I asked the Holy Spirit to help me. That's great. I'm glad you do because he's going to help you. Since the church is hidden during this season, could that be what revival is? Since the church is hidden during this season, could that be what revival is? This racism issue may be their church fight to lead, but maybe immediately afterwards, and maybe that's what revival is. I, I, I'm... I'm trying to get the, the question. I, maybe it is the fact that we have to be revived or energized. If, if revival is a bad word for you, energized, uh, motivated, inspired to uh, participate. Pastor, do you feel our families are divided? Should the families get together again before we reach out to others? Well, you know, I think, I think, I don't think we should wait till we have everything gathered in our home to, to follow what God is doing. You know what I mean? 
I'm still working on things in my own personal life. You're working things on your personal life. I don't think, I don't think, for example, let me give you an illustration. Uh, years ago, my wife and I will celebrate our 42nd anniversary next month, 42 years of marriage, and she is my very, very best friend on the planet. I love her. She loves me. We, we, we're, in a, we're in a special place in marriage. It's just a beautiful place we're in in marriage. But early in our marriage, we were struggling in our marriage, okay? Even during our struggle times, I didn't say, you know, I can't preach. I can't share until I get my home together. I didn't say that. I continued to minister because it was what God was doing. Yes, he, he was going to help me and my family. Yes, I needed to make some adjustments. She needed to make some adjustments. But I couldn't put what God was doing on hold till I got my house together. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, yes, our families need to be together. Yes, we need to work on our families. But this is something God is doing. Racism is, is against God's agenda. So it can't be just about us. It's about him. I put my life on the shelf. And I came in and preached the word because it's not just about what's going on in my life. This is a kingdom agenda. This is God's purpose. This is God's plan. And now is the time. It's now is the time to get involved. Now, I had uh, in my closing min min minutes, I had a question, a couple of questions that I need to answer. Um, I hope I'm not misrepresenting what you stated in the past about the worship leader who was white being unaccepted and seemingly driven away because of her race. I don't remember even saying anything about that. I think it is a misrepresentation of maybe what I was saying. I don't, I don't remember talking about a white worship leader that was not received and was driven away because of race. So I don't know what that is about. How do we as African Americans not discriminate against whites in our ministry that you're led by the Holy Spirit to elevate into leadership positions? That's the question that I want to answer. I think that we should be open and we should be receptive. I think we should trust our pastors. And if people come in and the pastor feels that they should be in a leadership position, because why shouldn't they be in a leadership position? See, that's a part of the problem we've said in and blacks moving over. Some blacks have said, well, we're not allowed to be in, in positions of leadership. I don't think that's the issue. I think I think the issue is that we should receive whoever God brings to us. We should love them. We should accept them. Uh, we should involve them. They should participate in whatever gifts and talents they should be able to use those gifts and talent, and they should even be able to serve in leadership, whether it's a black church or white church. I just think we should be open to what God is doing relative to racial diversity and social justice. How might the church engage conversations with different ethnicities who willingly participate in controversial dialogues without direct defenses going up? Well, I think we should en engage in this subject at work. If we got employees want to talk about it, and I'm not talking about on job time and taking away from your job, but I'm talking about if we got classmates or employees or whatever, we should engage it. We should talk about it. We should 
uh, have it in, in small groups and, and, and we should talk about it. Now, in terms of defenses going up, I don't think we can control anybody else. We can pray for them, share, communicate, try to create an environment, but we can't control whether defenses go up or not. Uh, you know, every time I've talked on race, there have been somebody who has something negative to say about it and people who have something positive to say about it. I can't control people's response, but I can share and be transparent, be direct, be honest, and be scriptural. And then the, the last question that I like to answer, how may the church go about addressing specific social issues through political action and prophetic teaching based on God's sta absolute standard. And I think I've pretty much covered that. We should pray. We should teach. I think that Christians should vote. I think Christians should become involved in the political process. I think Christians should run for office. I think we should maximize our platform, share the word. Uh, and I think that's how we approach it. Um, I want to close by saying I uh, appreciate uh, the time that we've shared on this subject. I think it was re refreshing. It was rewarding. I think you asked great questions. Some of the questions I want you to remember, understand, I can't answer all these questions. When you get into what's happening in a specific church and, and me getting involved in a specific church, I don't think I have authority to do that. When you ask me specific questions about something going on in a church, I don't know that I can answer that because I don't know what's going on in the church. I don't want to be guilty of trying to get into some other family church, giving my opinion when I have no authority or knowledge or information. So some questions, I just, I, I just can't answer those questions, even though you may want me to. I just say you have to pray and trust God and be led by the Spirit. If you were led to a church, then God led you then he should be the one who tell you what to do since he was the one who led you. So I thank you so very much. Um, um, some of the questions I'll answer in my, in my new series, uh, I believe it'll be a blessing for you. Mute voice. I want you to listen. I got seven more lessons to go. It's going to be more in depth. I'm going to cover more ground. I'm going to cover some things I didn't cover in our podcast. And I believe it's going to be just wonderful. And I ask that you pray for me. I, you know, someone said recently, I, I'm praying for you. And I said, thank you. The best thing you can do for me at this time is pray for me. And I appreciate it. Amen. So be it. That's it.